Hello listeners, and welcome again to another episode of the Kinky Boys podcast. Today, we are telling you nerds all about bullying play. So, before we begin, we are going to thank our daddy's favourite patrons. William M. Ochnerb. Banjo Stewie. Adam F. Brian C. And Harry Hypnotist. You are all Daddy's favourites. If you would like to join up, please go to patreon.com forward slash kinkyboyspod. Whether you just like the show, or it's because we've shoved you in a locker and we are demanding your lunch money, twerp. Feel free to take a look and sign up. Your support means the world to us. Now, on with the interview. Hello, and welcome again to the Kinky Boys podcast. Today, I have a guest with me, Sorn, the York in New York, and he's come on to talk to us about bully play or bullying in kink. So, like the fun kind, not the nasty kind. So, Sorn, welcome. Hi there. Yes, as you heard, I go by Sorn in all of the online kinky spaces. I'm a kinkster and online creator with some different characters and headspaces. Most of them are online under the handle Orc in New York. At time of mm-hmm. recording, I'm in the final stretch to 10,000 followers on my TikTok, actually. Oh, wow. I'm at 9,700, so <laughs> pause crossed. I'll be there quick. <laughs> Hey there, this is Sorn in post-production, my TikTok account, which was my largest social media account, was banned about a week after this interview was recorded. For now, if it's not back up, which it probably won't be, you can go follow my backup on there, which is just Orkin New York 2, that's O-R-C-I-N. New York 2. And as always, I am just working in New York on all other accounts. Twitter, Twitch, Mastodon, everything. On Mastodon, my instance is rubber.social. Thank you and enjoy the interview. Ah, that's awesome. Yeah, so... Yeah, you reached out to me on TikTok and you said you do like bully play. And I'm like, yes, that is something I want to talk about. Yeah, it's something that's a bit niche and a bit Mm -hmm. unique, I would say. But it's something that I've seen growing. I believe I put it in our notes, but there was an article actually written about it back in late 2021 in men's health magazine oh about the wedgie fetish yes yeah that's similar it's under the same umbrella yeah this is the thing it, it seems to be very much a cross-section of a lot of different smaller fetishes and in this sort of role play like wedgies are a big one and like I get the impression it comes a lot from American media because yeah, <laughs> yeah. a lot of the kind of tropey and cliche media 
that you'd see 20, yeah. 30 years ago. It's yeah. definitely something like that, where and it has a lot of intersection with different areas of, like, humiliation play and even some of, like, pain stuff and service. And it's mm-hmm. really about the kind of headspace and what you want out of it. The sky's yeah. the limit. Yeah. Because... In the sort of like 80s and 90s in media, especially kids' media, there was very much the solidification of the stock bully character. And it was always the very give me your lunch money twerp, I'll give you a swirly in the toilet, I'll give you a wedgie in the hallway. That sort of like pattern of sort of behaviors. Yeah, it's something that's not really well for some people it's not even really i guess i would say taken all that seriously where it becomes sort of a fun time as well as Hmm. a kinky time yeah like i know one or two people who do it like one of my friends essentially invested in a varsity jacket just to do this sort of thing to play the bullying jock Oh, that's fun. I've invested in a lot of sports gear, but Mm -hmm. not the varsity jacket yet. Yeah, but it just gives it that extra sort of feel of he is the big muscular jock and he's going to shove you in a locker. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) that's definitely something I want to do. I've seen lockers in a... a bunch of different stores that I've thought about buying. buying. My mm-hmm. boyfriend is also interested in this. And so we've like, if we've been out shopping and we see a locker that like one of us would fit in, we're kind of tempted to buy it. Always. We saw one that was actually like almost kink colored in a department store. Once it was like red and gunmetal gray and it oh, fit nice. everything, but mm-hmm. we never, we actually never ended up getting it. But it's definitely something that I want to try and track down again someday. Yeah, no, that would be awesome. Like in our episode on sort of designing like play spaces and dungeons, like we did talk about including the sort of kinky lockers just to give that extra feel. And now they can be used in a proper scene. Yeah, and they can they can be used, of course, for kink storage, you know, for storing gear mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But they can also be used for fun stuff, like you know, shoving shoving your workout gear in there, and then mm-hmm. shoving a sub in there. <laughs> oh yeah, and you can get like you can find benches as well, pretty accessibly. <laughs> like lockers and benches are probably the two that I would say are more accessible than a lot of people think whether you're buying Mm -hmm. new they're in hardware stores industrial supply stores places like that and used a lot of them are going to be at government surplus auctions because no matter what there's always a school in your area that's being renovated yeah (laughs) that's a good way to get like kink gear on the cheap yeah yeah, so 
One of the big questions I have is, when did you discover you was into this and how? Yeah, for a lot of people, something like this or something like other kinds of humiliation play kind of comes from the sort of therapeutic end of <laughs> childhood memories. And for me, yeah. that's actually not really the case. It's something that I found kind of later when I was in my early 20s looking on general kink forums and because I knew humiliation play was going to end up being something that I was interested in and this just developed as the way and the headspace that I really gravitated towards so I started posting myself doing hands-free wedgies from the arm of my chair and it's really just become my preferred headspace for humiliation play since then on either the dominant or submissive side that is really nice so what so let's start with submissive side what 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 do you get out of doing it as a submissive as the bully victim as it were i would say it gives me a feeling of (laughs) not being in control and it takes (laughs) the any kinds of feelings of inferiority that I might have and turns it into pleasure. And of course (laughs) I like giving up control and I like feeling that feeling of inferiority being turned into (laughs) pleasure, which is really one of the more common, I guess, end results desired from humiliation play. So it's not totally all that, unique but i think that it's also a way to be a little different and be a little more creative and mm-hmm. almost i w- i don't want to say like cartoonish but a little more out there with what kind of humiliation play can be done and have a little bit less feeling like you're put into a box of this is how people get humiliated in kink. Well, this is somewhere where I have more freedom to be controlled the way I want or control people the way I want. Yeah, because it is a very unique sort of dynamic setup like you say cartoonish and i can kind of get that because it's sort of this unreal very sort of flattened archetype that comes from as you said before like kids media because most real world bullies i think sadly most people especially queer people know real life bullies don't act like the bullies on tv like they exactly It's something that media has kind of sensationalized and created Mm -hmm. its own world of. And I think in some ways, for some people, it can almost be like the world that they... I don't want to say the world that they would 
choose to live in over being mm-hmm. given a lot of the queer harassment that we yeah all tend to get but having it be more creative instead of just plain old harassment and yeah. intimidation is is yeah is is definitely a better way of getting through a, a lot of the issues and being able to i think as adults in a way sort of rewrite or reclaim the past that we were given and make it this comical cartoonish type of experience as opposed to the actual real world experience which really sucks yeah it it gives it this sort of i don't want to say levity because obviously it's still humiliation play but it is it lightens it a lot exactly yeah. And so what about it as from the Dom side? Yeah, absolutely. So from the domination side, I think it's a really creative way of watching people struggle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and in the later parts of this i believe we'll probably talk about the ways that this can interact but the ways that people can struggle and be made to feel like they belong to a (laughs) submissive belong in a submissive role so like yeah being given these kinds of rules and these or tasks can really make someone feel like they are i don't want to say beta or inferior mm-hmm. cuz that's kind of that has its yeah. own connotation to it but it really do, is an effective job of making a submissive truly feel like a submissive from what i've found yeah definitely like lower on the pecking order exactly yeah because like a lot of this is sort of you will do my homework for me or you will do my laundry for me or stuff like that and it's sort of being bullied into being essentially not their slave but their worker So it's like, I'm big, I'm strong, you're going to sit there and do my homework for me, and when I'm not using you, I'm going to stuff you in the locker. Yes. Or I'm going to give you these rules or these tasks, Mm -hmm. and if I see you not doing them, then I'm going to intimidate you because I'm bigger and stronger, or Mm -hmm. just because I'm superior to you in some way as the dominant. So I think this might be a good time that we sort of go through, because we've got a little list here of all the different sort of DS actions and kinks that kind of meld into bullying play, because there's a lot of crossover. The ones that I put in our notes are definitely not complete. Like, Mm -hmm. I've seen people do more than just what I put down that I do. I've seen people do stuff like... Findom, footwear, worship, chastity, 
you know, all these kinds of feminization even or service. Mm -hmm. And so the list really is as expansive as you want it to be. Oh yeah. Cause like you say about Findom, it, it like it takes a unique aspect because in a lot of Findom people are like very much drain me. It's about the transfer of money in this I see it a lot more as the archetype of give me your lunch money. Right. I'm going exactly. to intimidate you into handing it over. Exactly. Or even even some of the more traditional Findom, like I've seen people on these forums who say Okay, I'm going to bully you, but you're gonna pay me to you're gonna pay me to do it, and you're gonna give me your lunch money so that I can bully you yeah. and can do all this stuff to you. Oh yeah, and it's like I know a lot of sort of Musk stuff gets smacked in there. Like a very popular one is like being shoved into their dirty laundry having like the jock shoved into their mouth yeah a yeah, lot of and scent stuff that's a big part of it and one thing that i want that i don't have that comes from a few online sellers is the mm. so the sports cup that yeah you can wear for protection when you're doing mm. any kind of sports to protect your 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 important bits yeah <laughs> So there are some queer sex sellers that actually mm -hmm. make sports cups with straps that come with them so that they can be tied onto someone someone's face as a gag. Yeah. Oh, I've seen those. Yes. Yeah. And obviously it has that sort of space in the front because it's, they're like hard plastic. So you can stuff like socks in there or jobs mm -hmm. or other sort of stuff. No, those look very cool because obviously the jock cup is very well fitted around like the nose and ch chin and mouth. Oh yeah. I have, <laughs> I have one of my own. It doesn't have the straps for tying on it. It's just a general sports cup, but it, it mm. really fits very well on the face those are they do look really cool it makes such a cool like visual absolutely holding someone down and just pressing it on there Mm-hmm. that can be a great part of a scene and i've seen a lot of like the body writing stuff yeah that's something that i really like mm -hmm. doing i have a series on mastodon that i start that mm -hmm. i did in December of this past year on Cageless Chastity, and the first installment that I did was actually on body writing. So they there exists body art markers specifically for mm -hmm. designs like temporary tattoos, and those are the ones that I find are really effective. A lot of body-safe markers, like dry erase markers, can yeah. kind of wash off or rub mm -hmm. off pretty quickly but body art or tattoo markers can actually stay on through a few washes and so that makes them more fun so so i obviously i've never quite fully got 
the reasoning behind the sort of body writing. So is the fact that it forces it to be permanently on them for a time, like they can't quickly get rid of it, part of the attraction? For me, it is. And (laughs) in my series on Casual's Chastity, I actually had the writing on my own penis. And yeah, I I use myself as the guinea pig and you can write, you know, any kind of, any kind of, I guess it would be, you know, probably just one word (laughs) on someone, but (laughs) you can really write whatever you want. And then, you know, it's kind of like if you do something in that area or in that space, even if it's not just directly on, you know, their penis, they, 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 when they have to look down or when they have to look at it themselves, they have to see it Mm -hmm. constantly and be reminded of who they are and sort of what place they should be in. So it serves as a constant reminder. Exactly. I get that. Which, speaking of being in their place, one of the things listed is various kinds of service, cleaning, worship. Now, I make no lie, I'm a service sub, but I tend to do it willingly, kind of from like a simp point of view. Mm -hmm. But obviously, again, this, a lot of it is like intimidation and being forced into it by someone bigger and stronger than you. Right, yeah. And I've done role play before where I've cornered people and shoved my underarm in their face and said, you're going to write this paper for me or something like that. And it's about being, and it's about making someone do something for you because you're intimidating them in some way. Yes. Or even, you know, I've seen scenes where it's people are going to worship you by, Mm -hmm. you know, cleaning you or Mm -hmm. taking care of your feet after, you know, something. And that's really, people are going to service you and make you feel better and be yeah there for you to either make your body yeah to use to make your body feel better or to make your shoes cleaner and whatnot because of the intimidation factor almost yeah like i get the impression the intimidation and overpowering is sort of the main through line through all of these like there was one i actually had to look up what it meant how do you pronounce this omo rashi yes i believe you talked about that in the episode on piss that you did yes yeah being forced to wet yourself yes and in addition to that the struggle as well that can exists from being made from being like locked out of the bathroom or something mm-hmm. because by a dom or a bully or just straight up like not being given permission in some way by someone who's 
imposing on you or intimidating to you. So you have, you're essentially cut off on this very basic bit of decency. Like you can't go to the bathroom like literally everyone else can and you are forced to just keep it in until you wet yourself. Right. And in my case, I tend to, if I'm doing something like that, I tend to encourage people and be encouraging to people to not actually hold it in for too long just because I try to keep health and safety in mind. So I'll encourage people to let it out and I'll send them like messages where I'll say, oh, you don't want to, you don't want to keep going through this pain or this feeling of struggle. Just, just go ahead. Just let it out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And of course they're wearing their pants and they're, Mm -hmm. and it, if they're usually, once they're done pissing themselves, they're usually shoving their underwear in their mouth. and Yeah, fun. and you can grow from there. <laughs> yeah. And it's also very fun when someone needs a piss just to, even lightly, just like around above their groin, just where the bladder is, just gently push in on that and just make it worse. Oh, yeah. So easy and very fun to get that reaction out of people. Very fun. Very <laughs> fun to watch. I've seen hypnophiles out there mm-hmm. as well that are supposed to make people forget say how to take off their pants or what a toilet is or where a bathroom is Mm -hmm. until they piss themselves i've seen that work to varying degrees with different people you know like all hypno yeah some people it works for some people it doesn't but that's also fun as well to Mm -hmm. sort of Make fun of someone's struggle with their own mind while that's happening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And of course, the last thing we have on this list to cover is like feminization and appearance control. Yeah, I definitely tend to lean more towards the appearance control side of things. Feminization is just not what I tend to deal yeah. in. But as far as the appearance control that's where you can get into sort of longer term stuff where you can say, Oh, I'm writing something on your underwear every day, or even mm-hmm. I'm choosing what underwear you wear every day. And then I'm going to wedgie you with it or make you wedgie yourself, or I'll make you wear it for so long that it starts to get, nice and musky even yeah you know maybe beyond what you'd usually do or you know i'll take your underwear and i'll make you wear none and Mm -hmm. you haven't come in a week or 10 days so it's gonna be with no underwear you're gonna have to hide your erection and that's gonna be fun (laughs) oh yeah no that definitely sounds fun and i mean i don't think the one last thing i think we need to talk about is wedgies because they're kind of like the unique thing that really bullying really focuses on it in a lot of like media and pictures and like it very much intersects with the wedgie fetish yeah that the wedgie fetish is kind of the biggest part under the umbrella of 
bullying kink in general and i've said i i've said earlier that i started by posting hands-free wedgies off the arm of my chair i've done it from mm-hmm. coat hooks and i've never gotten someone myself or others into the atomic where you pull it over someone's head but that's yeah. something that i see a lot on forums and i see people people doing it you know out in public even in like parks at night i don't know how real that stuff is because it's the internet but i've yeah. definitely seen it <laughs> i get the impression you have to get underwear with a really loose and really stretchable elastic to do that yeah and a lot of mine tend to be yeah kind of tight on me but i've definitely done it before hmm. Yeah, so now we've sort of covered a good overview of what happens in a scene. We always, on this show, like to talk about aftercare. Info is, like I said before, just now, I've seen a lot of people who Uh like to graduate up to hanging wedgies and all suspension play safety rules apply. However... In addition to that, you're also you also have to remember that you're using fabric for the suspension, mm-hmm. which is going to be less stable and less durable than a lot of yeah. other things that you can use to suspend yourself for. So make sure the fabric can support your weight for the right amount of time. And if it can't, then I've see- absolutely seen people use rope to supplement the fabric or i guess complement it (laughs) with the fabric of the underwear to be supported by rope for additional safety measures i actually so when i start when i've started with this i've always had some part of me touching the ground whether it's like my knees or my feet or whatnot but Mm -hmm. My boyfriend, actually, when he first started with this, this was before we met, he was not doing that. He was not having any part of him touching the ground, and he was just using a, like, shelf that was in his closet. And, of course, he brought down the shelf and had to, like, make up an excuse to his family as to why he brought down the shelf, because that can't can't support Hmm. any human weight. So... Just keep in mind that you're going to be talking about something that needs to be not only supporting your weight, but supporting piece of fabric that has less durability than regular rope. And so, yeah, most might, underwear uh, isn't built for this. Right. Exactly. Yes. Think about any kind of wound care as well associated <laughs> with whatever you're going to be doing, whether it's, you know, any kind of (laughs) pain or wedgies, obviously, which are obviously the most common thing unique to bully play is real hard wedgies, which are going to make your ass crack raw and dry to varying degrees. And so for that, I'd say, find a solution that works for you or your sub Mm -hmm. people are going to have their own preferences for how to take care of that 
I personally use an extra strength lotion called Cetaphil. I actually okay. just found out yesterday that that's apparently what they use as well to fake cum in porn Oh, really? Movies? Ah. I never knew that until yesterday. I've been using it for years because, like, I've been using it as just, like, my regular lotion because it's, like, extra strength moisturizer. And I just found that out yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, that's definitely... Even sometimes it can even take a couple days to feel back to 100% Mm -hmm. in, in, in the... Yeah. Crack your ass after all this, but find what works for you. Nice. And so we've covered like the physical side of this. What about the mental side? Yeah. Mental aftercare has always been something that's especially important to me. The most important mental aspect that makes a lot of this humiliation play or degradation play or bullying play valuable for people is that The person in the dominant role is someone who sees them positively and wouldn't act this way or would act quite the opposite way towards them outside of a scene. I think that's a good base for where mental aftercare needs to be, but there's more to it to me. I talked about my Cageless Chastity series over on Mastodon, Mm -hmm. and in the first installment, the first thing that I mentioned about mental aftercare is that you need to be able to compartmentalize and separate who you are from how you're being treated, especially if you're doing something where you're going to have these constant reminders that you are quote unquote being put in your place. And so you have to be able to separate the scene from the way you are. And that seems pretty simple and pretty obvious, but one can start to creep into the other without you even noticing if you aren't being mindful or attentive or careful. So definitely like with anything that deals with emotional distress or mental distress, it's always worth checking afterwards, like regularly to see if it is leaking out of just the scene. Because you put in these boundaries and sometimes it can slowly sort of creep into the rest of your your life or your headspace. So it is important to regularly check in with yourself. Absolutely. And if you find that one is starting to creep into the other, then that's cause to stop and have a conversation (laughs) or stop and remove yourself from the situation or both for as long as you feel necessary yeah no that's very good one other thing i would say just a couple of minor things with and struggling to piss we already talked about saying how it can be unhealthy to hold hold in your piss for too yeah. long a lot of people when they're going into play like that also tend to mm-hmm. overhydrate. and just keep in mind that the human body can only process a certain amount of water at a certain rate. Mm-hmm. So if you overhydrate, that can lead to serious, serious health issues. Sorry, you're going to hear my keyboard while I look it up. <laughs> while I look up the number. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah so... 
Cool, yeah, go on. The, yeah, the human body can process up to a liter of water per hour, approximately. And so, if you have more than that, then it's going to take longer to process. And if you start to have a lot more than that, just because you want to be struggling to piss, well, then you're going to start to have some serious health issues. So, just keep that in mind, and talking about body writing going back to that make sure you use markers that are safe for the Mm -hmm. human body not all of them are dry erase markers generally are Mm -hmm. but like i said those are going to rub off or wash off fairly easily body art or tattoo markers are obviously body safe because that's yeah. what they're designed for. I mean, there is one which is the henna ink pens, because there is a phenomenon with henna ink where it will react badly with certain chemicals in shampoo. And I think in the UK, you can no longer get henna pens because of this, but you can in other countries where the chemical in the shampoo and the henna ink both mix around sort of on the body and causes an allergic reaction. So I would advise if you're looking at like henna pens because they're long-term permanent markers for the body, maybe steer clear of them. Yes. And what I use is a brand called Bic Body Mark Markers. These are, in the US at least, they're available anywhere you can look online, on Amazon, on in lots of different retailers and so that's what I tend to gravitate towards. I don't think they're really henna pens. I think they're more just body art markers, but I don't know. Cool. So yeah, this has been a fascinating discussion. Like, thank you so much for reaching out to me about this, because this has been brilliant. Not a problem. It's been excellent to be on and to talk about this stuff. Yeah, so... Thank you for having me. Anytime. And... You know, you're saying at the start, your TikTok's blowing up. Like, where on TikTok, Mastodon, social medias, where can people find you? Once again, if you wish to follow me on TikTok, which is my largest and still currently my main platform, you're going to now use Orca New York 2 instead of just my regular username, Orca New York. Thanks to the ban. Thank you and enjoy. Nice. Uh, the only place I'm not is Instagram. So if you mm-hmm. see someone with Orca New York on Instagram, that's not me. And if they're trying to be me, let me know. Good. Yeah, it's a common problem with kinksters. Like, for some reason, Instagram has all these imitators just for, like, kinky people and their photos. Yeah. And I really, I've thought about that because I just... I've thought about creating an Instagram just so somebody else doesn't have it. Because mm. I just, like, I don't want anybody being scammed or anything like that. Yeah, but... just to make sure the username's, like, placemark. Exactly. Yeah. So, thank you again for coming on. It has been brilliant. Thank yes. you. It's been great to have a conversation with you. It's been fun. So, listeners, if you want to reach out to the show ask questions about this we are at kinky boys pod across all social media mastodon twitter uh email 
everything like that. Obviously, you can follow us on Patreon where you get lovely bonus episodes and episodes early. So thank you. And always, listeners, play safe. <laughs>